How many of you used to watch I Love Lucy? <laughs> There's a great episode in I Love Lucy where she's reading a mystery novel, a murder mystery novel, and uh, she becomes convinced, she's so engrossed in this book, that she becomes convinced that her husband, Ricky, is planning to murder her. This is reinforced by the fact that Ricky is on the phone with one of his fellow supervisors, and he's talking about a woman that they have to fire, but Lucy happens to walk in at the very moment when Ricky on the phone says, yeah, I think I have to get rid of her. She becomes absolutely paranoid. When Ricky holds a knife, she thinks he's going to kill her. And her, her behavior becomes very erratic, so Ricky begins to worry about her and think there's something wrong and that she needs to calm down. So he decides one evening to give her a sleeping draught in her drink. And she sees him putting it in. And of course, she thinks he's poisoning her, so she switches the glasses. But he sees her, and he switches them back. <laughs> so she drinks the drink and says, ha, I switched the glasses. And he says, I switched them back. And Lucy actually believes she is going to die. And so she says, I want you to know that I forgive you. And of course, then she just takes a nice nap. When we come to see things in a certain way, it creates a framework, a perspective, and we live within that framework. My fiance Chris and I went down to see Bob Daniels in Palm Beach. He is doing so well and his parish is incredibly gorgeous, as you can imagine, and he lives in this rectory that is incredible. It, everything um, looks out on a courtyard, the weather is gorgeous, but what happened was on Saturday morning, he opened the doors to the living room and a bird flew in. And the ceilings are high and the tree is high. In fact, the bird, when it perched on the tree, looked like it belonged there but we didn't know how to set the bird free. We got some brooms and tried to wave them around, but the ceiling was way too high and it just scared the bird to go up higher and fly around. We made noises and flapped around, nothing worked. So finally, we all four decided to go out on a walk and we made bets about what would happen when we got back. Would the bird still be there? Or maybe there would be two birds. When we become frightened, it's as if we're trapped in a room. We see everything only within the room, the framework of our fear. And we're no longer free. Now, last week we preached about John the Baptist, and today is part two. 
And if you were here last week or watching, you remember that we mused about that period in John the Baptist's life between his childhood and when he's 30 or 31. You know, John was born into a wealthy, prestigious family. He was the son of the high priest. So he would have had the best of everything. And then there's this gap. And the next thing we see, he's a homeless man living in the desert, eating bugs. So you wonder, what happened? Something really hard, really eye-opening, must have caused John to reevaluate his whole life. And he ends up in the desert. And people come out to see him because he's a phenomenon, they want to talk about him, but also because they're scared. And they want to be baptized so they can guarantee they're going to get into heaven. And for, for some reason, this makes John really mad. He says, you just come out here, you brood of vipers. You come out here because you're scared. You're fleeing from the wrath to come. You need to bear fruit worthy of repentance. In the Greek from the New Testament, repent, the word is metanoia. It means turning out of yourself, becoming free. It is the opposite of paranoia. Paranoia is when we turn into ourselves out of fear. When we get scared, we create a fear framework, right? And it causes us to turn into ourselves, into a smaller world. Everything we see, we see through the lens of our fear, and we're trapped within it. If metanoia is the opposite of paranoia, Metanoia is when we're able to break free of that room of fear and see things differently and do things differently and encounter the world as if we're new to it all. So these people come to John and they're scared and he says, stop being afraid. And they say, well, then what are we supposed to do? And this is where John gets very simple and very practical. But before I describe to you what he tells us all to do, I have to break free of one of your fear frameworks. You see, Americans have a fear framework when it comes to money. And rightly so, right? Every time you get a spam phone call, who is it usually? It's usually somebody that wants money. Every time you turn on the television and you see a commercial, what do they want? Every time you do business with some random internet company, and they charge you a little bit extra for this, and they convince you that you want insurance for that. What is it that they're trying to get from you more? So of course, we learn to live in a framework in which we believe everybody is trying 
to take our money. Everyone. But once we live in that framework, we're no longer free to hear this gospel. So let me say from the outset that the pledge drive is over. You all have been generous, and I'm not here to ask you for money. <laughs> this is not what this is about. I'm here to tell you what John said. And this is the weird part. You would think that when they said, what are we supposed to do to get into heaven, that John would have said, say your prayers, go to church, but that's not what he said. Everything that he said had to do with what we own. It's really very simple. He said, if you have two coats, give one of them away. If you have more than you need, give. And then a tax collector came up to him and said, what should I do? And he simply says, only collect the taxes that are due. Don't skim off the top. And to a soldier who comes and says, what should I do? He simply says, be satisfied with your wages. So it's very simple, really. Be honest and share. Be honest and share. That's not so hard, right? That was all he said. But because of our fear framework, we can't hear it. Now, on our walk while we were in Palm Beach, we went by a museum. There is an artist, a Cuban artist named Uribe, who grew up in Cuba. Now, you know they have nothing there. They have nothing. They make cars from the 1950s still run today. It's quite remarkable, really. Uribe, instead of seeing through a fear framework and saying, I don't have anything, I'm scared, there's nothing that I can do with my life because I don't have anything, I'm just going to try to survive. For some reason, Uribe was able to leave that fear framework and to look at his world. And he took things that you and I would think of were trash, and made art out of them. You know, little kids are like this too, aren't they? If you put a two-year-old on your kitchen floor and you give them some random old Tupperware, they're thrilled, right? They don't say, well, this isn't enough. This isn't really a toy, you know. They play with what they have. They're free to imagine. Well, this artist, Uribe, he took old syringes I hope he cleaned them, I believe he did. And he made this beautiful big porcupine out of them. He took the coily cords from old telephones and made sheep, these gorgeous sheep. And he took bullets and made creatures like beavers and fish and flying birds. He took old crutches and made a beautiful tree. 
he made this huge giraffe and someone was asking, well, how much is that giraffe? And, and the man at the museum said, oh, it's 350. I thought that's really reasonable, $350. No, $350,000. So Uribe, by busting out of his, free, his fear framework and seeing and being free to see what he actually had and how blessed he was, made a giraffe for $350,000 in Palm Beach, Florida. Look what could happen when we bust out, when we're free like children to play and imagine. Look what can happen when we're no longer afraid. You know, the opposite of fear, of faith, is not doubt. The opposite of faith is fear. Faith is just trust. When I say I believe in you, I'm saying I put my trust in you. I'm not saying I'm certain about anything. If you put your faith in God, it means you're willing to step out of your fear framework. I put my trust in you and I will fear nothing, says the prophet Isaiah that we read today. So while we were on our walk, we made bets about the bird. Some of us thought there would be two. Some of us thought the bird would be still trapped. What do you think happened? We went back and the bird was free. It had flown away. John the Baptist got mad when we were scared. Because fear is a waste of time. It's fundamentally a waste of time. Your life is a gift. You have plenty. Make something with it. Amen.